1: Sal Capaccio. Sal
0: Capaccio. On WGR.
1: Welcome back into Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. I'm Josh Schmidt. And as you heard by that music, we've got them. We love them. Sal Capaccio. How's it going, Sal?
0: Pretty good. How are you doing on this very rainy Saturday?
1: I wish it was nicer outside. Every Saturday I'm here, it's nice and sunny and I have something to look forward to. And now it's very gloomy and rainy. Speaking of gloomy and rainy, it was not a great night for the Yankees last night. I saw on Twitter you were not in the best of moods. It's a rough rough yeah, you know, way to tonight. go out.
0: Well, we, you know, it was my one night off, essentially from camp. Like before, you know, I mean, I guess tonight, I guess. But, you know, there's no camp today. So I went home, and we went out to dinner, my wife and my son and I. And I'm like, okay. And then the Yankees game was actually delayed, which was great. I'm like, oh, this is great. Then I can actually watch the game tonight. But it started at like 9.30. I'm like, all right, well, I'll stay up for it. Garrett Cole's pitching, why not? Watch first, second, third inning. It was great pitchers duel du- and duel. And um, sure enough, ninth inning. uh yeah, very frustrating. Very frustrating. It's
1: got to be a heartbreaker for sure. I, I was I was actually at the Bisons game last night, and they had one of the questions on the on the the big board was how many wins do the Yankees have this season? And the one person guessed like around how many wins there were, and got the question right. And the other person guessed ninety two. <laughs> um, so if the Yankees were at ninety-two wins so far, I think uh, you'd be a lot happier with a loss last night than than, a, than right now.
0: Well, yeah. Well, you know it's a long season, but um, they have uh, they have some catching up to do, that's for sure. But you can't lose games. Garrett Cole pitches, man, especially when he pitches like that. He was uh, incredible last night. It was great to see Judge back. But man, they gotta they'll make a deal or two because they have to fix the offense because it's bad.
1: We'll have to see what they do there. That's going to be an interesting one. As uh, as I said before, Zach's up for his first Angels game in Tor- in Toronto today, so it's going to I be a, a big MLB day for the folks at WGR. I think,
0: is, it, is, is Otani not playing today, though?
1: I don't know. I asked him about it earlier, and he said he's not sure because of the cramps yesterday. So yeah. it's kind of up in the air. But I mean, I haven't seen anything yet. Hopefully, hopefully for his sake, he gets to see him. But all right, let's talk Bills. That's that's the the reason for the season. So. I've been bouncing around with a lot of different things this morning, looking at the defense, the offense, and to me, there's question marks, but not like glaring ones. It's it's okay. We have all these guys. What are we gonna do? Who who are we gonna put where? And the biggest one to me, I think, is who's gonna be cornerback two. I mean, we got Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, and Kyer Elam, all taking reps with the first team on different days. But what's been your take so far on who looks like they're Going to be that number two spot because I think Trey White's obviously still the clear cut number one. But who do you think is going to be number two so far as we've been three days into camps here?
0: Oh, it's just it's just too early to tell, Josh. I mean, like they're, this is an open competition, and they're rotating these guys in. Each one of them is getting looks with the first team. Tredavious is the number one corner, but it is interesting that yesterday he actually played quite a bit with the second unit. But before anybody panics or wonders. My my sense is, my guess is what happened was what they're trying to do is they wanted to give other guys looks with the first unit as many as possible to go against Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and people like that to make sure. Like, that's a better evaluation. So, yeah, Travis White is still in the number one corner. And then you're going to – you have a three-horse race. It's, it's Dane, it's Christian Benford, it's Kyrie Elam. So, it's way too early to tell – and especially, I mean, they haven't even put pads on yet, you know. Um, all I can do is tell you by kind of how they're treating it, I think, um, you know, they're going to play this as long as possible. They, they don't have to make a decision until opening night against the New York Jets, um, you know, or that week at least leading up to it. So, yeah, it's going to be an open competition all the way through. Then I think that, you know, in, if everything's equal, if everything's equal, they probably settle on Dane Jackson because he's the veteran who's been there, who they trust, and that's kind of the mo of the organization. This isn't a team that's, you know, trying to get to the next step as far as you know like rebuild or something and building up from the ground up is a team in a Super Bowl window they have Super Bowl aspirations so if everything's equal I think they go with the guy I think is the safest guy that they've been using and that would be Dane Jackson but you know we'll see where it goes and if the other two can make make them say no no we're, we're ready to take this spot
1: do you think it could be eventually something where it's kind of sort of a committee where the three of them are not constantly rotating but they're rotating more often than not do you think it could be anything like that eventually or is it going to be a clear-cut guy
0: i do think it could be, because the bills have done that before do you remember when they had um with when they had Levi wallace and josh norman kevin johnson like all those guys all oh, right yeah they rotated a lot yep right remember they, they they did that and i wouldn't be surprised if we see that a series two series you know um that we saw that at the end of last year, actually, like they started rotating. It, it happened. Dane Jackson rotated with Kair. Um, Christian was out, you know, Benford towards the end of last year, right? You know, Kyrie Elam was the one that had the interception in the playoff game against the Miami Dolphins that helped turn it. And that was because he was rotating at the time, I believe with Dane Jackson. I don't think they were both in the field at the same time, but Dane still played. So absolutely. They can do that. I think ideally you want a guy that you're like, okay, like you want another Tradavius white, right? That's not, that, that, that Tredavious, is a uh, former all pro. And, you know he's your clear cut number 1 ideally you'd love that but i don't think they'd shy away from doing that because we've seen him already do it
1: now in terms of in terms of Trey White real real quick i mean he's on his second year back from his acl injury do you think we're going to see him kind of get back to where like like this is the Trey White we all know and love and like you know he's the guy that is the reason why he got the big contract you know like cuz last year he looked a little shaky didn't look like himself had a lot of uncharacteristic flags and things like that so do you think we'll see 100% this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always tough to tell, right? I mean, but right now I I love what I'm seeing. I, I go back to OTAs and minicamp, and, you know, with Rudavius it's not just about the actual play and the talent. It's he, his body language speaks a lot, speaks loudly. I think um, he is a guy that when he's showing the energy and the confidence, you can see it, and he can play like that. and I think I've seen that. I've been saying it since OTAs and minicamp about him that, He's been what I've been calling confident Trey. And I think when he came back last year, he played well. He played fine. He actually got better and better every game. But I never saw that confident Trey, that boisterous, energy, bouncing around guy. I see that a lot now. And I think that tells me that, you know, he's ready to get back to doing what he's been doing and where he's been. He's twenty eight. He's not even you know, he's I think he's he's twenty eight this year, I think, so he's not even thirty years old. He's got a couple years to go. He's still a young man, he's still a young guy. You know, you you play he could still play at a high level for a few more years. So, um, you know, it's always tough to predict. Like, do I think he could be do I think he's gonna make all pro? I have no idea. I mean, but I do think that he's playing again with the same confidence and enthusiasm that we saw pre injury.
1: Sticking on defense here, looking at the middle linebacker position, there's been a lot of question as to basically how are they gonna re- not re- well, yeah, replace fill in the hole of Tremaine Edmonds. And what's that competition looked like so far? Obviously, Matt Milano is the true middle linebacker, but it seemed like Dorian Williams might be more of a weak side guy, uh, according to Sean McDermott. With, said that with Jeremy well, Milano, and Joe, like middle of the week, I think. Well,
0: well Milano's not middle. Milano's weak side. Milano's oh, yeah. your starting weak side linebacker. Okay. Yeah. Milano's the will. Um, the, the, the competition is that middle linebacker, because Milano is not a middle linebacker. Um, he plays the weak side. And then Dorian Williams is right now working as his backup on the weak side. Uh, the middle linebacker spot is coming down to um, Tyrell Dodson, Terrell Bernard, Vale Inspector, and even AJ Klein. Now they know what AJ Klein brings. He's been there a few years. He's a veteran, been in the league a long time. I mean, he's to me, AJ Klein is a break glass in case of emergency guy. We know what we got. It's fine. Let's put him on the field. You no, know, we're gonna get you know steady veteran play. I think Tyrell Dodson's kind of similar to that, but he's a lot younger. Um, he has been in the system for a few years. He has started middle linebacker. He started both, middle linebacker and will linebacker. You know, Terrell Bernard actually did start last year a game, but he started for Matt Milano on the weak side. He didn't start in the middle. It didn't go as well as you thought and hoped, but you know, I don't know if that was maybe him being a little out of position there, but now he's back in the middle fighting for that spot. Each one of those guys, Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard, and Baylor Spector have received um, reps with the first team, and I liked what Baylor Spector did yesterday. He did a really nice play in a passing game, dropping deep into coverage, getting his hand on a ball, uh, that was intended for Dalton Kincaid. You know, this guy was very productive at Clemson. Uh, so we'll see. I don't. I think that you can't sleep on him. Uh, he's a sleeper candidate there. But to me, right now, I'll go back to what I said about Dane Jackson at corner. Tyrell Dodson is the guy who I think you have to kind of win the job from him. Not that he's entrenched as a starter, but he's been there. They know they can trust him. He's done it before. Um, Terrell Bernard, to me, a third-round pick last year, though. A lot of athleticism. If Robert Nard can hold up with the the rigors against the run at his size, he's a little leaner. You know, I think that he'd be a really good candidate there because he's a very good coverage linebacker, and that means a lot to the Bills. Um, So we'll see where it goes. I think um, when the pads come on again, it's going to be a little bit different. I think that happens tomorrow, it should, for the next practice because they haven't put the pads on yet. Um, But, you know, they're, they're, they're having an open competition, which is not something you normally see at the middle linebacker spot. The other part of this, Josh, is, Sean McDermott's got to feel very, very comfortable with whoever's doing it to to call the defense, to be the defensive captain, to be the leader of the defense. It's not just going out there and making some plays. Like, a lot of – these guys can do that. It's being on a down-to-down basis, getting in and out of the huddle, positioning guys, getting the play calls, all those kinds of things that go along with being the middle linebacker.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that might be, I don't know, but overlooked for the defense this year, but Sean McDermott is going to be – essentially the defensive coordinator. I mean, how do you think that's going to play into what we see here at camp? I mean, is it going to be that much different than what we saw with Leslie Frazier, or will it be kind of similar?
0: I'm intrigued. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if we'll know until game one. I doubt they'll reveal reveal much during camp and preseason when it comes to that. I, I wonder, with the signing of Taylor Rapp, if they – go three safety looks a little more often. You go back to that Buffalo nickel look. He used a lot in Carolina and then a little bit uh, with the bills early on. Um, I think they'd like to use that a lot. I think the bills sometimes teams took advantage of how often they play nickel because their nickel linebacker, I'm sorry, their nickel cornerback is Taron Johnson. And as great as he is at what he does, it makes you a lot lighter in the box when you know, you're know you playing him because now you have five defensive backs on the field, one corner instead of a linebacker. Well, maybe if you replace him with a Taylor Rapp or a third linebacker, you can hold up against the run. Of course, you're giving up a little bit against the pass. That's always the trade-off. So I do wonder if Sean McRibbit feels, you know what, uh, we're going to have to do that a little bit more this year. And I wonder about the blitzing situation. A lot of this might come down too to where is Von Miller's health? Can they get home with four? Um, Leonard Floyd signing is a big signing for this team, I think, to not have to do that they don't want to blitz a lot but I wonder if Sean McDermott does blitz a little bit more than what Leslie Frazier was doing.
1: Switching gears to the offense here my main interest on the offense has been just what are they going to do with all these wide receivers not named Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis I mean they just signed Andy Isabella a couple days yesterday or a couple days ago and I mean what are you what's your take so far on how it's looking for guys like Khalil Shakir or Deontay Hardy in terms of like the kicking and punt returning position compared to what's their role going to be in the offense?
0: Well, Isabella has bounced around a little bit. I, you know, as much as he was a name coming out, second round pick, he didn't really hit in Arizona, went to Baltimore briefly. So I wouldn't really count him as any sort of competition right now, unless he comes in and blows the doors off to me, he's a back end of the roster body right now that is going to fight for a position. Maybe he would be on the practice squad, But I do think it's interesting because what you said about the punt return spot, why Andy Isabel is important is he's really a slot receiver. And maybe it's an indication of they want a couple more bodies in the slot because they want to give more looks to Shakir and or Deontay Hardy as a return man and take a little bit off their plate because they're going to be probably slot receivers. You even heard Sean McDermott and, um, or Brandon Bean and uh, Ken Dorsey talk about, you know, Deontay Hardy in the slot and how much you want to put on him. And I think it was, um, Dorsey specifically talking about Hardy and Shakir and those guys, or it was Matthew Smiley, excuse me, Matthew Smiley, the special teams coordinator talking about uh, Hardy and Shakir and vying for the punt return spot and seeing what happens there. So I do think it's all intertwined. Um, I think there's a lot of plans for Hardy to be a real big part of the offense, but if you're going to use them a lot in punt returns, and even kick returns, you probably have to scale that back just a little bit. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, the Naeem Hines loss, is isn't a crippling loss for this organization, but it's certainly a big loss for how they want to design their roster and the fact that now they have to use guys who are probably going to be regular offensive players to be return men, and that's always something that now you're going to have to take into consideration.
1: Looking at the rest of the offense, Dalton Kincaid has looked very, very smooth so far. He's looked very natural out there. What are your thoughts on kind of how it looks like, maybe not how it looks like, but like Ken Dorsey's idea of that 12-man unit and how that's going to play into, you know, with Kincaid being the pass-catching tight end that he is, like, how how different is that going to make this offense look than last year's offense?
0: Well, I think it'll look similar to, like, 2020 and even 2021 when Cole Beasley was a part of the offense. The difference is, you ha- instead of having a guy Cole Beasley size, you have a guy Dalton Kincaid size, which can create even better matchups and bigger matchups for the Bills. But I think it's going to look similar to that, whereas... Remember in those years when Josh really had a guy he could just dump it down to right away. And if things weren't there, bam, right off the line of scrimmage, there's just, hey, Cole runs three yards, stops, turns around, bam. That can be Dalton Kincaid. But Dalton Kincaid can also stretch the defense because if you're going to put a linebacker on him because he is a tight end and you're thinking, okay, they might go with a run play here so they you know go a little bit heavier uh, package on defense, now he could take that linebacker down the field a little bit. He can be a bigger mismatch for him. So. I do think it's going to matter. Now, there's only one football, right? So, you know, you still have Tevon Diggs garnering over 100 targets, which is what you want, and well over that. Um, You know, Gabe Davis, a guy that they've talked about giving him easier passes, not having him have to do all the time, be the deep threat guy, and go down the field because, you know, his average depth of target is like number one in the league over the last few years, but that also makes it more challenging to complete passes, to throw the passes, to catch the passes when you're going down the field and it's further away from the quarterback, especially in Buffalo in colder weather and wet and snow and rain um so yeah i do think the addition of dalton Kincaid is going to help and change the look of the offense and i think it's going to change it more to go back to kind of what we saw when they had cole beasley having those easy catches for whether it's him or someone else to be incorporated more in the offense
1: looking looking at um obviously there was a lot of stuff going on with stefan diggs in the offseason in terms of talk but I saw your article from yesterday, and it looks like like Allen and Diggs are clicking on all cylinders, and it was another level yesterday. I mean, talk about that a little bit. Like, What was so different yesterday compared to the first couple days?
0: Yeah, yesterday they really, I think, were more in, in sync on the big play and taking those uh, shots and completing them. There was one really big play. You can see the Bills, the Bills actually tweeted out the video of the play I described where Diggs just got free behind a couple of defenders and Josh just dropped it into the bucket and it was a great throw. Stefan tracked it, long touchdown. Had another one where he caught the ball, he took it to the house with his legs. Now, granted nobody's tackling him in this scenario. You could go up to him and you know be around him, but you know, so maybe he doesn't make it an actual game or tackling situation, but you can see that they were really, you know, trying to make that connection. And in the first couple of days they were as well. But you just saw more big play explosiveness yesterday, which is showing that they are, to me, you know, right back to kind of where they were, where they've been, and where you want them to be.
1: Looking around the league real quick before we uh, let you go here, what do you make of the Sean Payton comments? I mean, a little bit of fireworks around the AFC between uh, him and Robert Sala. What do you think about that?
0: I don't know if I've ever heard anything like that before in my life with a current coach going after another coach in an organization and directly like that. crazy. Um, but he's Sean Payton. Like, Sean Payton doesn't have the – you know, he's not um, – Sean Payton's set, like, for life, what he does. Like, if he doesn't coach the Broncos, it's not like he's going to be necessarily begging to be someone's offensive coordinator to hire him. He could probably be a head coach somewhere. and You know, he doesn't have to please anybody, so I guess that's why, but it's just weird. Like, you don't really hear people saying that. And the crazy part is I think everybody probably thinks he's right, <laughs> right? Like, as far as the Broncos piece of it, I don't know about the Jets, but I think everybody – He's kind of saying the quiet part out loud, which is that they know it sucked as the coach, as the head coach of the Broncos and what he did. And I just think it's crazy. Football is this big fraternity, and these coaches, they kind of, as much as they're competitive and a lot of times they don't like each other, they don't go after each other in the media. They don't talk like that. It's because they don't want to burn bridges. I don't think Sean Payton cares about burning bridges, obviously. So here's the thing, though. Now the Jets might be a lot better than he's saying. I mean, I, you know, he's like, well, you don't watch. I saw it happen, and all those kinds of things. So that one. I mean, then they have Aaron Rodgers, right? They, and we know the Jets have a lot of talent. But the other part is, he's really setting himself up for these this, these comments to bite him in the butt. You know, if they go out there and they don't perform, a I mean, markedly better than the Broncos did last year, there's gonna be a lot of people coming after him with pitchforks about this, and especially when they. I think it's great. They play the Jets like week five, week eight, whatever it is. It's going to be cool.
1: I can just see the tweet now from uh, freezing cold takes, uh, just a picture of Sean Payton at the podium saying what he says about the Jets. Uh, Real real quick, what do you make of uh, Jalen Ramsey's injury? How is that going to affect the Bills and the Dolphins? I mean, that's a big loss for the Dolphins for, I mean, what was it, like eight weeks or so?
0: Well, I think it's even longer than that. I think the latest latest report is out at least until December. Oh, so I mean, I saw the,
1: maybe I saw the initial report then. I thought it was initially like around eight weeks. They said,
0: yeah. Well, no, it it, it was reported yesterday that or two days ago, whatever it was. Later on, that um, he's out until at least December. He could miss the season. Um, this is a full meniscus repair. It looks like now. I guess they could change their mind and try to get him back a little bit earlier, but that would be a little bit risky as well. You could be risking further damage. It reminds me a lot of the Von Miller situation, Josh, whereas remember when Von Miller got hurt and initially was, okay, yeah, they're going to clean this up. And then Von's like, yeah, I'll be back in a few weeks. And then they go into surgery. And what happened? Von's like, they said, hey, we found a tear. They had to really, the ACL had to be repaired. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Jalen Ramsey, but it certainly could once they get in there. They got to do surgery. So we don't know anything until they actually do surgery. But it's a huge, huge blow for the, Um, uh, Miami Dolphins now the thing that's the positive side of it for them is this happened very early in training camp they will have a whole training camp a whole preseason to adjust to find personnel they like to figure out how they want to play and deal without them but I mean Noah Igbenogany has not been a great corner for them which is why they partly went out and got Jalen Ramsey now Igbenogany has to basically go in and have a bigger role again and you know I don't think that's something that you know the Dolphins want to happen or plan on happening but he's going to be expected to now we'll see where they go but I think they have a lot of faith in Vic Fangio to kind of come up with you know a plan here and Vic Fangio is a really good addition to you know the the scheme is going to help them scheme is going to help a lot Fangio knows what he's doing so it's a really big blow for a team that has you know division and plus aspirations going into 2023 for sure and by the way I mean I know that we're in Buffalo and Bills and Dolphins and all that you hate to see it though I mean it's just Pre preseason training camp injuries—they just stink, right? I mean, you feel for these guys. I don't care what you, who you play for; you never like to see it. I know there's competition that's involved, and you know you'd rather play the Dolphins without Jalen Ramsey with them. There's no doubt about that. But you never hope for injury for anybody because these are how these guys make their living. Especially to happen in preseason and training camp just stinks.
1: Yeah, it's it's always such a weird feeling when when a rival team's big player gets hurt because you're like, man, like yeah. that—you don't want that to happen. But at the same time, like. Now that it kind of not makes things easier for the Bills, but it's a big threat off the field. I mean, it's it's sure. it makes things interesting, but big players rise up in big occasions. So we'll have to see if anybody kind of shines for them in training camp. Like you said, it, they have a whole training camp to figure it out. So
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, we'll um the we'll, we'll get a better feel for them uh the first few weeks of the season now. If he does come back a little earlier, I still he still will be out almost certainly for that first Bills game, because that's week four, I believe. Um, you know, And then they don't play again until week 18. So I guess best case for Jalen would be to come back sometime during the season, but and that would mean he would probably play against the Bills in week 18.
1: Hmm. We'll have to see. Well, Sal, I know you've been doing a lot this week, so I appreciate you coming on this weekend, and uh, we'll uh, have to talk again soon. Thank you for coming on.
0: You got it, man. Have a great rest of your show.
1: Thanks. That was Sal Capaccio on the West Her Hotline talking a lot of Bills training camp stuff, talking a lot around the league as well. It's kind of interesting seeing that Jalen Ramsey injury. I mean, that's a big blow for the Dolphins. Like I said, you never root for someone to get hurt, obviously. That's just, if you're doing that, it's time to take a step back and look and say, okay, wait a minute. This is a person's livelihood here. Like, we can't really root for someone to get hurt like that. But... Again, on the flip side of that really bad coin, your team's in a better position because of it. I and mean, it's it's hard not to ignore that, but it's also hard to say that, where you're sitting here thinking, all right, well, you know, that sucks for him, but for us, it's beneficial, I guess. So it'll be interesting, though. I, I'd like to see him come back and play I obviously I would like to see him come back in general, but I'd like to see him come back and play the Bills week 18. That'd be a fun end of the season where You know, Ramsey came back, let's say, three weeks prior. And, you know, if the Dolphins win, they're in the playoffs. And if the Bills win, they clinch the AFC or something like that. I mean, that'd be be crazy. That'd be a fun storyline. We've seen different – we've seen crazy storylines, especially looking at last year. I mean, with everything that happened with the Bills, they weren't all good. I don't think any of them were good, really, but there was a lot of them. So maybe the Bills will get some fun, interesting storylines this year. So – We'll talk some more Bills, look at some tweets, and uh, we'll keep going on this training camp talk. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Coverage of Buffalo Bills training camp on WGR is presented by Admark Construction Equipment and Supplies, the equipment you need when you need it. And brought to you by Beagle Car & Joyce, your border attorneys. And by Feel Right Fresh Markets. It's where healthy living starts.
0: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv.